Hey, Pluckies, and welcome to this week's episode of the Plucking Up Podcast. Listen, this episode is special because I think it is the most meta episode of Plucking Up ever in the history of Plucking Up. And what do I mean by that? I mean that this podcast itself, the ideating of it, the scheduling of it, the actual technical recording of it was all just absolutely filled with non-stop pluck-ups. It was like a comedy of error and we couldn't escape it, but I'm actually really grateful because I think it got us in the right mindset. I mean, what do we do on this show? One of the things that we do is we talk about our pluck-ups and our mistakes and how they happen and how we move through them And oh dear, did we get into that on this show with my good friend, Ryan Leake. Ryan is an executive coach and he is a leadership speaker, so gifted, so talented, such a rock star human being. And I have to say, Ryan shared a story on this show that really just illustrates the truth of like everyone's kind of faking it. Like everyone doesn't really know what they are doing and they're just kind of figuring out as they go along. And the story he shared, I have thought about multiple times since I had this conversation. And it really has kind of infused me with this sense of like, yeah, I could do this. We're all just making it up. And so I hope that you feel similarly just like encouraged, inspired, and also that you get some giggles with us and alongside us because we really could not stop laughing during this episode. It's so fun. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ryan Leake. I am so excited. I'm really excited for my friends to meet my friend, Ryan Leak. Ryan, welcome to the Plucking Up podcast. <laughs> it is an absolute pleasure to be on the Plucking Up podcast. The last time that you and I were virtually face-to-face, um, I was at the beginning stages of trying to figure out my corporate speaking mm. career, and you took the time out of your busy schedule to say, listen, young lad, <laughs> let me let me depart some wisdom into your soul. And, and, and then my life was never the same. And here we are. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to deny that I would, I don't remember using the phrase young lad, but it sounds right. It I sounds do. on brand for me. It's not surprising to me to hear that I use the term young lad. What what feels surprising is that I would use that phrase without doing it in a very strong Irish accent. Cause I am yeah. kind of a go big or go home, you know, that is very, so true. I don't know if you remember that, that or maybe Scottish. We could have gone for a Scottish accent. Oh yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that feels like a lot of moons ago. I don't even know when that would have been Ryan leak, but in the, in the days since that virtual mm-hmm. meeting, we've had the opportunity to be in person a fair amount of times, yeah, which is times, really yeah. fun. And the most yeah. recent in person, interaction we had was just recently just a few weeks ago at the global leadership summit in chicago that was so fun biggest regret of my time at the global leadership summit which is one of my favorite events of the year is that i didn't get to spend more time with you and then i didn't get to see you speak oh but you know global leadership summit they put you to work they do you you got stuff to do (laughs) don't you know (laughs) you got a podcast you got a meet and greet then you got a social media (laughs) 
session just for social media. You got to sign books. I don't think I, I think I spoke to maybe one other speaker. Like I just, I caught the first 15 minutes of yours before I was swept away to mm. some other room mm-hmm. for the second makeup of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not what people think is all I'm saying. And there's a lot more to it that you're like, you think you would just get to like, just go to the conference. It's like, no, they have to send me like the links to everybody's talks just so I can hear. Okay. So speaking of there being a lot more to it for both of us, part of our vocation is that we're public speakers and speaking of being a public speaker and being like, you don't know, like there's a lot that happens behind the scenes. What people see is that 30 minutes on stage. And whether they got you running around, doing all sorts of other things before, during, after, all of the prep, all of the everything that goes into it. We have these unique jobs where people only see 30 minutes, but that's That's just like the tip of the iceberg. And we were connecting via text message today over a series of other pluckups that I won't get into. And it kind of led us to this conversation where we were kind of joking about some pluckups that we've had in our speaking career because I sent a text to Ryan that I thought was to Ryan and my producer, but it was just to Ryan. And Ryan was very sweetly like, hey, it's just me. And so <laughs> I was like, hey, remind me. We've all had these moments, right? The moment where you send the text yeah. and you think you know who you're sending the text message to, but you're oh, wrong. Yeah. Or the email when you think you know who you're sending it to. And so it reminded me of a story that I really wanted to tell Ryan. I thought I was going to tell it off air. But then we were like, what if we just share before we even get yes. into the big juicy pluck up of your life yes. that you're going to share, Ryan, we yes. thought it would be fun to share a couple a couple speaker specific pluck up stories. So <laughs> tell me what's a moment that you had in your journey and career as a public speaker that you would be like, yeah, 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 that was a pluck up. Okay, so one of the pluck ups I've had multiple times. <laughs> you would think that I've learned to not do this, but it happens often. Uh, whenever my assistant is on vacation, I say, hey, I'm going to log into your email just so we don't miss anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you the <laughs> amount of time. I have emailed on behalf of Ryan. <laughs> and then signed Ryan. Signed Ryan Lee. <laughs> From Ryan at the RyanLeakGroup.com. Ryan is not available to stay for five hours <laughs> after your speaking event to go pick up the attendees' kids. No, he can't do that, you know? And so they're like, hey, Ryan. I'm like, hey, yes. Uh, you know, yes. So that, that's happened multiple times. Oh, that's so good. Been responding as Whitney, um, but Whitney was like in the hospital, and I'm like, I, what am I supposed to do? Just not respond to these emails? Like she's getting very, very important emails, and so, but with all of our emails logged in at the same time, it's dicey. That's dicey. That's dicey stuff. Yeah. Okay. So yep, same, similar up. email pluck up. I'm gonna. There was one. This was so early on in my speaking career. This is going to make probably your stomach turn because you're going to be able to put yourself in my seat. Okay. So I was just a few years into running Seiko and certainly I would speak, but I had no idea that this was something you could do for a living. 
Like that was absolutely not even my remote thing. I'm an entrepreneur. That's my deal. If you invite me to come share about my company, if it'll help me grow my company, absolutely I will. But that's kind of totally how I thought about my speaking is it's just a way for me to tell the story of my company so I can grow it. So I get this email. I get this email and middle of my workday and it is from a speaking bureau. And it's actually a big speaking bureau. I'm not even going to name it on this show. But Ryan, if I told you, you would be like, oh, yeah. That's one of the big three, like one of the big three dogs. Okay. Sure. And so they reach out and they're like, Hey, we have a client. We're booking speakers for a client. And they actually requested you. They read an article about you, something they requested you. We're reaching out to see, do you speak? And if so, what are your fees? So I Google this speakers bureau, which again, they're representing like, you know, Condi Rice and George Bush and like all these people. And on their site, they have like a drop down menu where you can select a speaker based off of fees. And their lowest yeah. fee, I will just say this, their lowest fee section was something yes. beyond my actual wildest imagination. <laughs> like, so I'm just all of a sudden getting exposed to the idea that people can get paid to talk. Like I do right. that. People will pay me right. not to talk and you can get paid <laughs> to talk. Okay. And so I forward the email to my husband. And I'm like, bro, get this. This fancy person just reached out to see if I'll speak. She's going to ask for my fee. What do, we, what do you mean fee? Somebody's going to pay me to talk? And then I threw out some number. I can't remember. And I was like, I don't know. What if I just lob whatever number it was? And I was like, I'm just going to make something up. Don't want to leave any money on the table. Press send. Press send. Go ahead and press send on that. I'm just sitting back in my chair, feeling good about that that money coming in when I look at my screen and realize that instead of forwarding that email to my husband, I just replied directly to the agent. (laughs) I still... When this is over, will you text me the name of that agent? Because I have a feeling... He is a mutual or she. <laughs> it was a she. It was a she. Was <clears throat> I actually, in the recent, like last year, I was at a big speaking oh event and I met somebody from this bureau. He's the president of the bureau now. And I told him a story and we actually, he was losing his mind and literally was like, get in your email and see. And I was like, bro, this was like 10 years ago. And he was like, see if you can try to find the emails. And I was able to find it. I was able to find it. But those are the moments, I kid you not, like I'm, you can't see me. I'm actually blushing right now. It's been 10 years and I still am embarrassed thinking about it. I literally slammed my laptop closed. I don't know what, I slammed my laptop closed. We were in our first office that we ever had that was outside of our home. And it was like a little classroom that we had rented in a church. And I slammed my laptop down. I said nothing to anybody. I ran out of the office. We were above like a school gym. I ran down into the school gym. And I just start, I just start running laps, just dropping the F-bomb. I'm just like, F, 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 Like I had to just get the humiliation and shame out of my body Amazing. physically because that's how embarrassed I was. I will say, you're never going to believe it. I followed up. I, I, I thought for a while, like, how do I do this? Do I just go die and like never respond to anybody ever again? Or like, how do, how do you, how do you make this right? And so I took a few minutes, I came back up and I did decide, I think I got to own up to it. Like, I think that I have to like, yeah. 
I got to do this. And so I sent her an email and basically was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so humiliated. <laughs> like, I'm obviously very new to the industry. <laughs> and I was like, I think a reasonable fee would be whatever. And she was so sweet and so kind and so gracious. And she wrote me back immediately with something to the effect of like, it happens to the best of us. I'll pass this on to the client. And I ended up actually booking the gig, Ryan. I actually booked the gig. And so my life wasn't actually it. over. I love But it. it really felt like that in the moment. Okay, so Ryan, now that we've shared um, some pretty embarrassing micro pluck-ups, those moments of humiliation, mistake, shame, I would love, well, will you just kind of give our listeners, first yeah. of all, a little 101. Who is Ryan sure. Leak? Tell us sure. a little bit about who you are. How did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about the path that took you to being yeah. an executive coach, a keynote speaker, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Well, it, it required a lot of plucking up. I will tell <laughs> you that. I have, I have plucked up my way up the, the ladder of success, if you will. Now, I grew up in a, a pastor's home, real small church that my dad was the pastor of. And I was always fascinated with how he had an impact on mm. people. And then I thought, man, well, what if we could do this like Monday through Saturday? Mm. So I had this uh, sort of ministry heart, but business mind. And so I went and got a, got a business degree from a Bible school. <laughs> so mm. it's the only thing that I really knew like how to make sense of what was going on um, inside of me. And I started just serving in our youth group. And they would just give me a microphone and I would uh, do offering or I would do uh, a hosting segment where you get to simply welcome everybody into the room. Um, I would do stuff for small groups. I just would take any opportunity to communicate and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, then probably... 2016, I was speaking at a church. And I had this whole idea that I wanted to be a teaching pastor. Well, not exactly a teaching pastor. I wanted to be on a teaching team. There is a difference, by the way. So when you're on a teaching team, you're just invited to come in and teach and you go home. Okay. Whereas a teaching pastor is like, lives there and like, you know, sits around with people. Yeah. I'm like very in and out in that way. Well, long story short, one day I woke up and I was on five teaching teams at five mega churches. So I was in front of 50,000 people just in the church space. Mm. Well, one day... A lady comes to me after church and she goes, that was actually pretty awesome. I went, actually, I'm, like, I'm not offended. And she says, do you think you could do that same thing for my company? Except mm. you just can't use the verses. And I was like, sure. Hmm. She goes, well, can you do an eight-hour seminar for them? And I, like the, the, the mother plucker I am, uh, I decided to... I decided to say yes. Yeah, I can do that. I did not have eight hours worth of anything. What? So why did I say yes to this? I have no earthly idea, but I thought I can figure it out. And she let me figure it out. She goes, that was great. Now, can you do it for like our, our larger group? And I was like, yeah. And it's like, can you do like two days? And I mean, it was just, and I just kept saying yes. Mm. And um, it was atrocious. I shouldn't say yes afterwards she was like you know people that do this you know they like to like 
engage with the audience, you know, when they're doing workshops and stuff. I was like, oh, I thought I was just going to send y'all to go do it and just sit here and eat lunch while y'all go figure it out. Uh, then uh, I was speaking in Dallas. Um, an, an executive from the Dallas Mavericks was in the audience and said, hey, uh, similar similar vibe. Hey, love today. Think you can make a difference in our organization. So they invited me to to be a part of their organization for about 18 months. So I get to the Dallas Mavericks on a Monday. I didn't even know why I was there. I wasn't interviewing for a job. There was no open position. Hmm. And they said, we're going to do great work together. Hmm. And I was like, but what, what exactly? Did, well, like, what, what are we talking about here? And they said, we just we feel like we got a lot of ideas of how we can leverage some of your skill sets in this organization. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so it took them like two, three months to get contracts and everything going. So I was set to go meet with the VP of HR. Well, she was tied up in a meeting and basically ended up missing our meeting. But I sat outside of her office for two hours. And I'm sitting there. And next to me is the VP of DE&I. <laughs> well, she's kind of frustrated. I go, hey, are you okay? She goes, yeah. I go, hey, my name's Ryan. I, like, what are you working on? She's like, oh, I'm working on these mentor-mentee group curriculum. And I mm. can't figure it out. Mm. I go, well, it's just like small group questions. You know, you just need questions just to, you know, create conversation. I said, I'll help you. Mm. So right then and there, mm. I helped her create this curriculum. She goes, hey, do you think you could go to the mentor-mentee groups? I said, yeah, sure. I need something to do. Like, I mean, y'all paying me, so I, I might as well do it. And so I show up with donuts, orange juice, and breakfast tacos. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, people get hungry at these, in these meetings, right? And then some people are like, we're healthy. We don't eat that stuff. I was like, well, sorry. And so I go to Whole Foods and I get green drinks. And so I started bringing that to all the minty groups. Well, then all the mentors, which are all the C-suite executives for the organization, say, hey, you're a great guy. You think we could get lunch? I said, yeah, sure. And then one day I'm at an event, an NBA event with my NBA executive friends. And one of the VPs goes to another VP at another, another team. She goes, have you met Ryan Leak? Lady was like, no. She goes, oh my gosh, you have to meet Ryan Leak. Ryan Leak is our, what, what, do you work here? Like, what is your role? I go, I don't know. She goes, well, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan? Ryan's our, Ryan's our executive coach. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, she said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm their executive coach. That's what I tell you something right now. Okay, in case you want to know who I am, give you my intro. I'm, I'm the Dallas Mavericks executive. <laughs> She's like, what is going on? So I finally meet with the VP of HR. I'm telling you, like, months later. I've gone out with God knows all types of people. And she goes, I go, hey, so what would you actually like me to do she goes whatever you're doing just do it and i was like well, but would you would you like me to specifically she goes ryan all i know is every lead team meeting we have your your name constantly comes up and it's always positive hmm. there's something that you shared something so whatever it is you're doing we don't want to mess it up hmm. so just keep taking people to lunch if they invite you to their meeting go to their meeting hmm. just add value to people you're one of the most positive things we have going on Hmm. Okay, well, do you want to renegotiate? Do you want to just so literally, I would just text, email people and just, just do that. And then, um, so that was how I got connected with Sent Marshall, who uh, was a friend of ours that was at Global Leadership Summit as well. 
and she's been very kind. And she would tell other NBA teams about me, or even some of her clients about me. And slowly but surely, things just kept kept growing. Okay, so there, there, that is an amazing story. And there's something I really want to camp out on here that you did pretty early on in your career that not to make everything you know, gendered this, this or that, blah, 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 because there's so much nuance. But I do feel like there are some generalizations that we can make about how women operate in the world and how men operate in the world. And this is very top of mind because I just got done doing a long exegesis of the Barbie movie and kind of talking about gender dynamics. And one of the things that really frustrates me about Mm. the gender equality conversation Mm. Is there is there is this kind of low key sentiment that women, in order to achieve equality, mm. women just need yeah. to be more like men, right? Like mm. we need to lean in. And here are all mm. of the things that men do that we just need to do similarly. Mm. And I I just think that that's not. I don't think that's accurate. I think that there is actually some things that men do that women would be really well served to actually go like, huh, we did that a little bit more like the guys. Uh, it would probably yeah. work out better for us. And really better for everybody. And then I think there's a whole host of things that I'm like, hold up. What if the men started doing it more like us? Like the problem here, it's like, I don't want to live in a world. Like to me, if I woke up tomorrow and the definition of gender equality was we're all just acting more like really successful, powerful men, we would be Mm -hmm. in even more of a hot mess than we are now. And so I, 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 whenever I hear kind of this, anything that makes me go like, oh, that feels like a very distinctly male thing or female thing. I love to just flip the script and ask myself the question of like, oh, should we be learning from them? Should they be learning from us? But I will say in this specific scenario, you did something that does feel very typical male to me that Uh I would coach and encourage women to do the same, which Which is, is you said yes before you had it figured out and you took, you took the title, you took the prestige, you took the responsibility, you took the money before you had any idea if you were going to drive a minute or a second or a cent of value. And you just said, okay. And you said yes before you were ready. And it starts all the way back at the like, do you have eight hours of content? Yes, ma'am, I do. Like, absolutely, I do. You said yes, and then you figured it out when you were sitting in that hallway and the gal was like, this is our executive coach. You said, yes, ma'am, I am. That is absolutely my role. Am I qualified to do that? That is a way. And it's interesting, like, even so I live on, I don't know if you know this about me, but I live on like a urban commune out here in Portland, Oregon. And it's a really interesting situation for a lot of reasons. But one, I have three little boys. But I live on this urban commune where all the rest of the kids are little girls. So Mm. granted, again, not everything. It's like gender is one facet of our being as, you know, individuals. And so I don't want to make it into a bigger deal than it actually is. But I do feel like I kind of have these little like these little observational kind of Petri dishes that I'm just seeing on a daily basis. These kids that were born right along right the same time as one another. And one of the things that I have noticed is the boys are just so much quicker to be like, yeah, I can do that. And you're like, you are not competent at all. You've literally never done that before, but your competency and your, so your competency and your competence are not matched. You are way more confident than you are competent, 
Whereas the little girls, they could have done it 10 times, but they didn't do it perfectly or they know that they can do better. And so when given the opportunity, a lot of times they opt out because they aren't good enough Mm -hmm. yet. And I really do feel like that's something that stands out to me in your story of just, Mm -hmm. and it is pretty typical male, but it's typical male in a way that I'm like, I think women would be much, we would be well served if we just said, hey, the dudes are doing it. Let's just take what we can get. Say yes before we're ready. If someone tells us we're valuable, we look at them and we say, yes, you're right. I am, you know, and just... And just go because truly, you don't think women do that. I think it's a much more. I think again, really? gender is like it's. I it's, wouldn't know. I mean, I'm I'm more asking. I'm not disagreeing. There's never like it's always you know. There's a spectrum and individuals and personalities, and mm-hmm. so it's stupid to make like such a sweeping statement. But I would say if we had to make a generalization, absolutely, mm-hmm. men go without. They they project confidence without competence in a way that is exactly inverse to women. And there's been a fair amount of social studies and research that would go to prove that. That it's like women, women don't apply for a job um, until mm. they feel like it's something like 80 to 90 percent. They can look at the qualifications and they would have to meet 80 to 90 percent of the qualifications before they would even raise their hand or throw their name in the hat. A man typically, and I need to go back and fact check the exact numbers, but with a man, sure. it's something like 30%. Like a bro is wow. like, oh, 30%, I can do that. Yeah, you should like hire me. It's just an entirely different worldview mm. that frankly is probably based a lot on how we've been socialized and yeah. the responses that we've gotten when we've tried something and we failed at it. I mean, speaking of gender and failure, I'm kind of starting to go on quite a rabbit trail now, but the cost of failing for a woman is also arguably a lot higher. So there was a study that was done specifically, and this is you know kind of my world and space is in business and in entrepreneurship and fundraising and venture capital. So already like two to 3% of all venture capital goes to female founders. That's tough. That's a tough, that's a tough, you're already by putting your name in the hat and showing up in the room, pitching as a female founder, the likelihood that you're gonna get capital is already pretty low. But what they wow. did is they found a study or they did a study that kind of simulated raising capital and they showed a male founder, same pitch deck, same company, same financials, same market analysis, the whole thing. And all they did was change the founders. And in the one, there was a male founder who had had a previous venture that had failed. And in the other, there was a female founder who had had a previous venture that had failed. And that was the only thing that they changed. And the likelihood, basically the response to the male founder who had failed from the VCs was actually slightly more confident in him than if he never had had a venture at all. Because the kind of theory was, he's done it before. It's not his first rodeo. He failed, but he probably learned a lot. And now he's back in the saddle and he's got something to offer. And we're actually, our vote, he has an additional, a slightly additional vote of Mm. confidence than a dude that just walked in here and had never founded a company before. Whereas Mm. for the woman who showed a failed venture prior, she had a significantly even less likelihood of getting funding because the story that the investors and the venture capitalists showed was, well, obviously she's like not a great founder. Like she doesn't have it in Mm. her and she's already actually proved it to us once. So why would we vote Mm. on her? So 
I didn't actually think I was going to go there. I do feel like there is a very mm. serious and important conversation to be had. It's like the name of my show is Plucking Up. The name of your book <laughs> is Chasing Failure, right? We talk sure. and think about failure. And I do think that there's an important conversation about how failure mm. impacts men and women differently. So all that to say is I think there's reasons why women kind of shy back a little bit and say, I have to know for sure I'm going to be successful at something before mm. I actually go out and do it. But yeah, that, that would be my observation that that is a very generally typical male approach to something is to go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the executive, I'm the executive coach here. Nice to meet you. Um, well, the reason I, the reason I'm, I wouldn't say surprised, but the reason why I guess I wouldn't have noticed that is because in my executive coaching practice in more of a legit state today, <laughs> since I'm amazing. Um, <laughs> you are. You are. I've heard from many. A, you are now very, your competency now matches your competence. Is that right? Is that right? Well, th the funny thing is, is and, and I often will say this in my keynote, is whenever we think about giving opportunities to somebody else, you know, people will tell me, well, this person isn't qualified. And I just go, hey, can we just be honest for a second? You're not that qualified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at some point you, and, and so thinking about all of the men that I work with, um, and I hope this encourages every listener or anybody, you know, tuning in today, like the, the people that we think are just gotten everything so buttoned up, they just don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how mm -hmm. to tell you this. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to ever tell anybody else's business, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, uh, NDAs and all that. But it's like, you see behind the scenes mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's mm -hmm. like what you find out rather quickly is just how human they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just see their humanity and you just. So that's why in my mind, I don't, I don't even think in terms of, of the uh, male, female in terms of being brave. Because honestly, everybody that I sit with, I go, yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Male or female. I've yet to sit with the person. Oh, they really got it together. No, most of them. Are like, yeah, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be tough. So, I I wouldn't let. I, I would just encourage a person. Obviously, like you said, you know, females have a lot more to lose in terms of that failure quotient. But um, I would. Uh, I'm. I've created a whole new section in my chasing failure keynote. Uh, entitled i don't know what i'm doing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's literally last week in the speaking business we get all of these pre-event calls well my executive assistant has been out on maternity leave for about a month so i've been playing whitney for a while <laughs> so you're great whitney yeah doing 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 my own calendar well i added all of these pre-event calls on one day and i just Smart. had them by by name hey all right great and i've got notes on this person all right i've got this is where i'm going to be all right this is the keynote i'm going to do and so on and so forth well i see this name and i remember getting an email about it and i was just like oh okay cool so i get on the call with these people this is last week this is not 10 years ago <laughs> this is last week okay I get on the call with these people and I'm, I mean, I'm in the zone. I'm like, all right, so 
when I get there, um, wh- who's going to be my person? Like, who- who's going to be the person I talk to? And they, they all are kind of like looking at each other. They're like, well, I guess that would be Laura. Laura, great. All right, Laura, when I get there, all right, I'm, I'm going to connect with you. And who would I send my slides to? And they're just like looking at each other. They're like, well, the, pro- the producer, Tom. Tom, all right, great. I'm going to send you the slides. And so what, what do you think is the best keynote for your audience? And they're like, they just keep looking at each other. I'm like, why do they keep looking at each other? <laughs> 25 minutes. 25 minutes of me going through my norm. I'm like, why aren't they asking more like event questions? And I said, hey, I'm really looking forward to being with you guys in February. And they go, Arvin's in January. I went, it is? And then I, I slowly like am like sliding my mouse over here looking at my notes. It was not a pre-event call. It was an event interview. Okay. Well, just a minute. I literally <laughs> thought you were going to say it was the event itself. <laughs> but still. No. Ooh, no. Wee. It was an yeah. event interview. Mm-hmm. You hadn't got a job was, yet. No. No. And no. so I'm like, Lord, I'm going to see you there. <laughs> She's like, well, you're off of me. Tom, when you want these slides, bro, I got you. Why isn't these slides? We don't. I literally, I was like, I just hit up my age and I said, hey, I'm going to tell you right now. We ain't getting that one. <laughs> just go ahead. That's my bad, man. I said, listen, my sister, she had all these babies. I don't know. If, I'm sorry. I just. I dropped the ball on that one. The other ones was fire, but this one is done. Well, guess oh, what? Today, I heard from them that they have, they are officially booking me as their speaker for their event. So there apparently, I didn't pluck up as bad as I thought I would. But the funniest thing is, is I'm going to get to share that story at, at their, the event. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's and good. people are going to, it's going to be so endearing. And so I just... People can really connect to that. Does that make sense? So it's like no, it totally does. It, it happens all the time with me. There's always something. So here is, is here is a superpower that I have that I think you have too because you just shared it that I did not realize was a superpower for a long mm-hmm. time, and that is that once you understand and realize the power of failure, the power mm-hmm. how accessible how vulnerable, like people connect with people through weaknesses and through failure. They don't connect with us through our successes and through our excellence. I'm saying those things are also important in their own right. You can't only have failure and and accessibility on your resume. (laughs) But the moment that you, you realize that everything actually becomes fodder for connection and for transformation. And that, to me, has completely changed my relationship with failure, with embarrassment, with humiliation, with rejection, because my the the amount of time between because I used to just spiral right of like, I just plucked up. I'm such a failure. I'm such an idiot. I can't be trusted. My life is over. I'm never going to get another job. My company's going to fail whatever, you know, whatever the spiral is. And I I have shortened the time of spiraling and pretty quickly I can get to a place of, okay, 
what did you learn here? And how is this pluck up actually going to serve somebody else someday? And the moment I go from being like, I messed up, I'm a failure, I'm such an idiot, which sounds really like self-deprecating, but it's actually really sneakily super egotistical because that reaction to my own failure is actually completely the only person in the universe that I care about in that moment is Liz F and Bohannon, you know, where I am just like, what do I look like? Yes. Liz fucking Bohannon. There you go. Like, what does that say about me? How do I look? How's this going to impact my business? Whatever it is. That's actually really selfish and pretty egotistical. Mm -hmm. And the moment we can take that and we can switch the focus to go, oh man, this hurts right now in this moment, I'm going to give myself a second to blush, to probably pit out. And maybe I need to go run a few laps in the gym, get some steam out. But the moment then I can go to how am I going to serve somebody else with this, then it completely takes the focus off of me. It makes me feel like I'm a part of so much, something that's so much bigger and more important. And I'm just like playing this little part. And sometimes it's being awesome and nailing it. And sometimes it's really plucking it up, but it all goes to serve a bigger purpose. Not only does that eventually serve our community, but it actually serves us a lot in the moment by kind of taking taking the focus off of like us and our own ego and our own image. And I feel like that's exactly what you did in that moment. You were like, okay, I'm not even going to hide this. I'm going to think about how do I use this for other people? And I think that that's, I think that's really powerful. I got a question for you. Okay. Turning the the tables, turning the tables. Um, What do you do with other people's pluck up? Like, let's say you're on stage. Mm. media messes up or they don't put a picture or they don't Mm -hmm. play this like how do you because we're talking about navigating pluck ups Uh, in all reality for the most part privately Mm -hmm. but I'm talking about managing the pluck up of someone in front of a thousand people yeah and you still so how, how have you handled that well i've handled it well and i've handled it not so well so i'm sure there's definitely instances where i feel like i haven't handled it well but i think my general approach is to publicly give a lot of grace and assume the best privately probably be more willing to have a hard conversation that leads to an action step that's going to keep it from happening in the future because I think yeah. it's it's foolish, right, to just be like, everybody messes up and it's totally fine. And it, it also really depends on like in your instance where it's an AV guy or gal mm-hmm. in an event that I may or may not, I'll probably never work with them again. I actually do feel a little bit less like, well, I hope the event manager, it's not my role to have that conversation, actually. Like sure. it's the event managers. I, I could communicate, make sure they know, hey, like you should know that this didn't go the way that we had planned it to go. Do with that information what you want. And if they're a good manager, they're going to take that piece of information. They're going to give that feedback to their employee, hopefully in a way that's filled with a lot of, you know, grace and opportunity for growth. It's foolishness to say, well, I just let, I just, it's only grace, only forgiveness. We all make mistakes because sometimes there are, we have to reckon with our pluck ups because that's the only way that we actually get better. But then there's also lots of, it it really depends. Is it my employee? Is it my teammate? That's a wholly different conversation than if it's somebody I'm like, 
you know, in our worlds, in my world, it's like I have my core team and my teammates who I'm working with day in and day out. And then I have tons of people that I'm working with that I may never see again. And in those situations, uh, I'm probably more likely to offer grace and forgiveness. What about you? What's your, I feel like, are you noodling on something of how you deal with, uh, how, how you deal with failure with other people? You know, I, I think that it is, uh, I think how we deal with other people's failures is actually how we manage our own. Mm, Say more. If, if you are gracious towards others when they fail, I think you'll be gracious towards yourself. And that's where you kind of get into the self-talk. But if you are uh, extremely volatile, I think, towards others, extremely judgmental towards others, um, that will actually come back on you, not even in the forms of other people judging you, but you will criticize yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. to to a place where you kind of self-sabotage mm-hmm. a lot. So I try to err on the side of, Hey, this one's on me. I think the best relationships are when both parties are taking equal ownership of a mistake. Mm -hmm. One time I was speaking and I was scheduled to deliver two keynotes. Well, they loaded the wrong first keynote. So I was doing my intro to the keynote that I thought I was doing. (laughs) And then... I'm like trying to help them get the hint that they have the wrong deck. <laughs> and so I had to, without any slides, do the whole the whole deal. Oh, you did the um, entire keynote. You just had them not, or you just didn't advance your slides yeah, and just, just like. I just, <gasps> I just went for it. Yeah. No pictures, no videos, nothing. Just, just went for it. And at the end of it, I walk out and I say, hey, that's how my, but, and they asked to do a rehearsal, but there was so much like, this is a massive event. This is a massive company. Y'all got it. I got it. We're good. Mm. My lesson that day was, it does not matter where you are in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. You are not beyond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have, I've had to learn that lesson a couple of times. Just where there's like, oh, because there's 90 feet of LED screens, like these people must know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't mean that at all. Yeah. And so, so I just, hey guys, this one's on me. Well, the producer's like, no, this is on us. Mm-hmm. And I go, no, 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 no. I appreciate mm-hmm. you. However, this one's on me. They go, no, no, no. We understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. However, yeah. yeah. Those are the best fights yes, yeah. when both parties are coming into it going, hey, how can we get better for next time? And so I just, I, I typically err on the, that side of going, hey, what, could, what, what was my part in this and how could I have, have communicated clearly exactly what I was, I was going to be doing? Yeah. So. And I don't know about you, but I, it builds a lot of trust for me with someone else, especially someone in leadership, if they're pretty quick to say that was on me, 
Like, even if it's just something, you know, relatively like we had a miscommunication this morning around the timing of this podcast. And I didn't know what was going on because I got a text from Ryan Leak at 830 in the morning, which at first I was like, I was in, I was doing carpool and my mom was with me and she's like, sweetie, you missed a call. And I looked at my phone. And I was like, oh, Ryan Leak, just calling me at 830 on a Monday morning. We just we just friends. He just wants to check in. And so I was like, wonder what Ryan was calling about. And then I checked my email and saw you were like, hello, are we on for our podcast today? Oh, and at yeah. first, I, I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't know how the mistake had been made. And then I very quickly realized, I went back and checked my paper trail, and I realized it was on me. Like, I had used a wrong email address, and it was totally on me. And even in those micro moments, it's really, really tempting, especially when there's a third party involved, which in this case yeah. would have been my producer. I very yeah. easily could have been like, I don't know why he never got back to you, you know, as opposed <laughs> yeah. to just it's so small in the grand scheme of things. But instead, sure. just being like, listen, this is on me. I made a mistake. Yeah. I used the wrong email. This actually isn't on him, even though it kind of looked like it at first. It's totally my yeah. fault. And it's so tempting. It's so tempting to kind of buff those things out so that we can look like we have our act together so that we can look more professional, yeah. whatever it is. But I know for me, the moment someone shows up in authenticity and transparency, I had flubbed a, a, a time for a call again. This was probably maybe like a month ago. And I showed up probably 10 minutes late on this call. Um, yeah. it, was a, it was a day I don't normally work with this client. And so it was just kind of out of my normal practice. And I had been on, I had a other call go over. And when I realized that I hopped on, I'm like a sweaty mess. And I literally just get on and I was like, I wish I had a better excuse for you, but I just... I just totally, I just totally blanked. And I let this other call run long. I am so yeah. sorry. And and the woman who, by the way, is just like a bad, she's just like, she's amazing. She's super smart. She's very high yeah. up at an organization. Yeah. I really respect. And she literally just looked at you and, and looked at me and she just kind of laughed. And she was like, I already really liked you. I really like you now. She was just like, <laughs> I just so appreciate that you came in here not yeah. telling us some sort of story about why you were, you know, 10 minutes late for this call. Like it builds trust when we show up, when we own sure. our mistakes, when we show yeah. our humanity um, and when we apologize. And, yeah. and I feel terrible when I do stuff like that. It's like, I want people yeah. to know that their time matters, that they matter, that they're important. And I want to communicate that in a way that's just like, I'm sorry. And, and, and I think yeah. being someone who is quick, to own their stuff and apologize mm -hmm. is the type of person that I want to be more than I want to be somebody that just doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Ryan, um, it was not a mistake to invite you to be on this podcast. How was that? How was that for a little, for a little land the plane segue? I'm so <laughs> grateful for you, for your work in the world, for the way that you lead for the way that you chase failure and level up. Boom, boom, product placement right there. And uh, really appreciate you being with us here today. Absolutely, it was my absolute pleasure. We'll do it again soon. All right, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. You know that for updates and announcements about the show, you can also visit lizbohannon.co or follow me on Instagram. I'm at lizbohannon and I love, love, love to hear from my pluckies. So until next time, stay plucky.